Everton in the Community is renowned as one of the UK's top sporting charities and has been a leading Premier League community scheme since 1988. It doesn't just change lives, it saves lives with a proven track record of tackling Liverpool's deepest-rooted social changes, which is admired across the landscape of community sports development. Fast forward to the present day and the charity will embark on a bold and transformative five-year mission. And that's to conquer the challenges that Merseyside is still faced with and wage a relentless battle against poverty, inequality, health disparities and much, much more. Hello everyone, I'm Darren Griffiths and we're bringing a new podcast series celebrating the work of one of the UK's top sporting charities over the last 35 years. I'll retract that. The UK's top sporting charity over the last 35 years, as well as giving you an insight into a new and exciting dawn for Everton in the community. This mission will be carried out through three pillars, each designed to create lasting impact and bring positive change to the communities that they serve. The Chief Executive Officer of Everton in the Community is with me, Sue Gregory. We'll learn about these individual pillars very, very shortly. What's the thought process behind the whole project? Yeah, we... You know, we've been on the streets in making a massive impact since 1988. And we had a simple ethos that we build the trust and relationships within the communities. We see a need and we act. And we have a responsibility to do that, but we don't take it for granted. So we've come to a position now where we've gone bigger. We've got over 60 projects. And it's now time with, you know, everything going on in our communities that we stop, put our foot on the ball and really reflect. And we want to do more in the community. So this is um, a great ambition to look at three pillars because there's needed to be three pillars. We want to make our community thrive. We want to build on the work that we've been doing and make our community stronger, provide brighter opportunities. But we really need to focus on education and also on mental health as well. So we've come out strong, really thinking, right, we've got to have three pillars clearly identifying to make sure we can make the maximum impact. It is a very, very exciting project. First of all, there's learns, and that will break down the barriers and, and open doors for people of all ages to access education. There's also thrives, and thrives will empower individuals to, to reach their full potential utilising football, key life skills, and also tailored support to empower them to pursue and, and positive change and live healthier lives. And the third one is Minds. Everton in the Community's Minds Pillar will house its renowned mental health services to provide accessible support and ensure that our community receives the help that they need. We'll be digging deeper into each pillar in future episodes, but for today, we're giving you an introduction into the impact the strategy as a whole will bring to Liverpool. And what I love, so about just about everything that Everton the community does is that the the, the successes it, it's 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 tangible. You can see, you can see, you can reach out, you can touch the difference that it's making to so many people. You can, and what we wanted to really emphasise. I mean, I've been in Everton the community for twelve years and being the CEO for the last um, twelve months. Even when I take guests now, our staff are unbelievable. And when you look at the impact that they're doing, with that ethos you see and need and act, they're developing more and more. The inequality gaps around health, around poverty are widening. So it's really important that we wanted to cement that. So every time somebody gets in a taxi in Liverpool, they say, mm. oh, the community is brilliant. What do they do? We want to make it tangible so people actually understand what we do do, how much we do. You know, we have provision from start of life to end of life, but the depth that we do. Mm. So it's really, you mentioned there, to make our community thrive, 
that's a clear whole family approach. But there's big in, um, inequality gaps in education at the moment. You've got young people starting off early with 10% to 20% behind the milestones of other young people in the areas that we deliver. They never catch up on that. So when you think when they go into secondary schools, they're behind again. They're never meeting what they're capable of doing because they're slightly behind or a big gap behind. Same with mental health. It's well documented. The impact that poor mental health is having on our communities. Seen some stats yesterday that really concern me that people with poor mental health in our city have 20 years less life expectancy. Wow. And that is really concerning. So we want to go big and do our it's normal. It's a quarter of your life, basically, oh, isn't it? You know, when you, when you put it like that, that's something has to be done. Mm. So that's why it's so important that we sep- separate these pillars to think we're already making our community thrive. We're doing physical health. We're there when somebody needs it, when, you know, whether it be impacted in their community by crime, by having a stroke, heart attack, something impacting their life. We can make people thrive. But we really need to emphasise education is key to everything. If we can make people flourish in education, it will impact on their mental health. If we really raise awareness around mental health, particularly the rise in dementia and Alzheimer's currently, but make more awareness of where you can go for mental health support, have good mental health, it's going to make a huge impact. There's only so many hours in the day. You've only got a finite number <laughs> of staff and volunteers. I suppose you could have had many, many more pillars. Was there a, was there a lot of involvement, a lot of thought process behind narrowing it down to three? Yeah, and, and we can't be everything to everyone. Mm. But it's also to make sure we get, we can't do everything. It's to make sure that we make people clearly understand what we do so we can get the right partners. So whenever it matters, we can make sure we're really showing the impact. And it's hard to say no to everything, but you've got to. We can only do so much. So we had mass consultation with our participants, people in our communities, our staff who are on the ground, saying what's the key most important things to yourselves. And then we broke them down. So Really, then you've got a clear, transparent way to say, look, this is what we're going to do to address poor mental health or improve mental health. You've got clear outcomes that you can measure so we can get partners. You've got some amazing people Mm. doing some amazing work in our city so they can empower us, we can empower our participants and we can be the one stop. The same with education. Education is so key for families. You've got parents sat there with their own insecurities really on how to teach their um, own children that has a knock-on effect so you want to empower the whole family approach on education I think it's really important to really separate the work that we do to make it so when somebody gets in a taxi now they Mm. know what we do you mentioned there that that, that the parents with the children I just want to veer off track slightly and just revert back to lockdown how challenging for the community L4 which is a challenging area anybody everybody knows that and for Everton community staff and volunteers, it must have been close to impossible during lockdown, Sue. It was, and it's not just L4. We operate right across the city region. That, to me, was the biggest eye-opener of actually what is going on. Some of the families that we're dealing with already live in in poverty, so already that big education inequality gap. We closed our offices on the Friday. We're up and running um, on the telephone by the Monday. Our great staff again and thinking... It was even, we didn't expect then that some families had no Wi-Fi, pens, paper, just pushed them further and further and back. Now, Mm. luckily, we had some programmes and we talk about golden, I always think of golden nuggets that I find or golden memories that, you know, some of the projects then we done, 
is then being embraced by Everton Learns, stuff we've done mobile, so young people say we're way behind on their English literature then or the maths. We've done some literacy interventions during COVID. Them young people are now flourishing and are above the expected level. So although it was dire and it was scary, we found some really good pieces of practice that have really made an impact. Are some people still playing catch-up from the lockdown period? Yeah, and that's a big concern for mm. young people. You know, they voice the concern, feeling, you know, on the media, they're saying they're going to be the lost generation. They're really worried about what the impact that has yeah. on their futures. But the work we have been doing, again, we've put models, we've put in our event lens pillar because we've had some great success. You know, we piloted a big project with the Steve Morgan Foundation mm. and Speak Garston. So over the last two or three years, particularly during the COVID period, a lot of that best practice has gone into our strategy because we've had some really great, and we want to just roll that across mm. the city region. When, when, when I speak about, or everybody speaks about the, the tangible evidence of the success of Evident in the community, a lot of people mention the walk from the bottom of Spellow Lane by the Royal Oak <laughs> up to the Dixie Dean statue, and, and you can see it there. Fantastic new facilities, brilliant facilities, brilliantly staffed. There are there are numerous things that, that make me so proud of Everett in the community, but you know what? That walk is it for me. It, it's just it's it's changed the landscape of not a, not a, not a, not a not a not a country mile, just a short road, but the impact is immeasurable. So we've invested thirty million pounds in that short walk, but every brick is so valuable mm. when you look at that impact. Take our people's place that we've opened in March. Our, Magnificent, isn't it? Our, purpose-built mental health facility. Already we've had 35 walk-ins that we could say possibly save lives or really improve lives. That's that's worth its weight in gold. Well, where else would they have gone? That is the problem. Mm. And that's why, you know, we're launching a lot of them golden nuggets, as I say, into our Everton Minds piece that we can roll across the city region as well. It, it, it's concerning, you know, and I think what our staff see in that short walk is sometimes data and trends that other people, other agencies aren't seeing, but that makes us, we have a duty to act really and responsibility. So without our staff, they're absolutely amazing. Snods and I were at the uh, the People's Place recently for the unveiling of a brand new garden <laughs> that was that was donated. And, and that did take a little bit of explaining to people like me and Snods. <laughs> we're going to go, we're going to help unveil a new garden that's been donated. How do you donate it? How did how do you donate a new garden? But it was it, it's it's a beautiful little area, isn't it? It is, and you look at that area sometimes it's fellow lane and the back roads, and it can be a bit chaotic for people. But it's an area just to come in. Even every square footage in all our buildings, we've even got you know a plot of land across the road from the people's hub that people go and grow vegetables. And but in that piece of little plot. You've got a reading library that people can exchange books and just have a bit of peace and quiet. You can grow your vegetables, you can learn sustainability. It links into our blue pantry um, where people receive food. Mm -hmm. Every square foot has a piece of calm and tranquility. And we should never take that lightly for somebody who may be in chaos in that morning, just walking into that garden, yeah. walking into that building can change the life. We're going to hear from one of the participants very shortly, but I'm glad you mentioned the Blue Pantry there because myself and, again, myself and Snods were there at the Blue Base a couple of weeks ago and the, the, the coming together of everybody I thought was fabulous and, and what I really liked about it was that was, was the dignity and the, re, and the respect of the whole the whole environment in which they that we, we helped them out with produce, with products, with necessary products, cup of coffee, cup of tea, bit of toast beforehand and, and, and the banter and the atmosphere 
it took us by surprise, I'll be honest, Sue Snods. And I didn't really know again what we were getting ourselves <laughs> into, but I just thought it was magnificent. It is, and you know, right from that's basic needs, that's giving people food. Mm. So but there's a way to do it, isn't there? There is, you know, and the poverty with the cost of living crisis is immense and it's working people as well. And, you know, you, we, we said this sometimes you see people queuing up as early as half eight, nine mm. earlier. And you would think that'd be quite, you know, sad, but not the atmosphere is brilliant. So they come into our blue base, they have tea, toast, but it's the networks they make. Yeah. So I've seen the community come together. So I remember I always have like dip samples week by week. And I remember seeing a young mum coming through with two toddlers, chaos, really worried. And then a, an older lady saying, here, give me your child. And now you see them every week saving each other's seats. And she's got a little network now. People who've been socially isolated now have a network. We've given people volunteer jobs who were otherwise just sat in a flat on their own. It's it's everything around it apart from giving basic need of food. The, the work that, all, that yourself and the staff do is, is brilliant, as we've said. But it, it often occurs to me that come five o'clock, you can't just flip your laptop closed and then forget about it, can you? Because you're seeing real life stories that must linger in your mind for quite a long time. It must be challenging for a lot of the stuff. It is, but it's also very rewarding. Yeah. So we have our home is where the heart is house. That's 24 hours where we've got young homeless people. So obviously staff are always, you know, on guard there and supporting young people, our youth zones, our veterans projects. The staff don't switch off, but then... They're passionate. That's what they do. I think you've got to be... You, you know, have to we, be, don't you? You have to be special to work and have it in the community and, and our staff are special. We do recruit very well, don't we? We do. Or you recruit very well, <laughs> Sue, shall I say. You've got to, for me, if you want to come and work for our organisation, you've got to want to be passionate about changing your community. You've got to be worried about young Michael not smiling that morning, thinking mm. what was up with him, going to give him a call at tea time and check. You've got to have that passion to make a difference. And that's what's made us so successful. Well, let's hear from one of our participants now about how the charity has changed his life. This is Michael. Hello, my name is Michael Tasker and I am a participant of Everton the community now for three and a half years. And I am 16 years old. I was referred onto the Everton programme because in school I was, I was causing problems, I was misbehaving, and I think the school sort of needed, seen, I needed a bit of help. So the school got Everton in, and that's when the Kicks programme started. And the engagement was a group of, I think it was six people, and the six the six people in the room were the, all the same, all acting on impulsive, uh, reckless, and stuff like that. And they came in and just sat us down and the first session was was mental health problems and like listening to our stories and what we've been through and why we do certain things. That, that group we were in, we just we didn't really like school, we didn't really get along with school, school weren't really made for that, that type of kid, you know what I mean? So yeah, uh, everyone would come out, take us out and stuff like that and eventually from that, that's when we got invited to the Street Child World Cup and that was just like a, a big massive thing. Street Child World Cup is basically taking kids off the streets and give them an opportunity to make them feel at home and give them a chance to play football and get a chance to use the voice because Street Child's message is if you've got a voice, use it. So it's about getting kids to speak up and speak about poverty and the issues they face. Get into England team, Brazil, uh, Brazil team and just into your teams and we'd all write that on what was going on in our country, what was wrong with our country, what we didn't like about our country and stuff like that. And then we come in to a big circle and talk about it. And it's amazing to think that every single street child 
was was the same. We were all there for the same reason. We wanted the same message. We wanted the same thing. And yet they're from different countries, poor countries, richer countries, but the problems that we all faced were still the same, really. It was amazing, especially being the captain as well, like the, being the captain of your own country. It's like, it's an honour, really. It is, generally, it's an honour, especially Everton, the community as well. Like, that's a big honour. That's a, like, Everton, the community is a big worldwide company. So being able to represent England and Everton, the community at the same time was just... And from that, I won the CEO award off suit. I want to have a career with, uh, as a youth worker because of my own experiences with Everton in the community. And the fact what they've shown me over the past three and a half years is give me that guide to where I want to be in a, another three and a half years. I want to, I want to work for Everton. <laughs> I do. I want to be with Everton. I want to be able to. I want to be a youth youth worker. And yeah, I want to be able to run my own sessions and teach kids leadership skills, mental health skills exercise without having the community I think I'd be lost I think I'd be just having not not laugh, not having a goal not being able to say yeah I, I want to do this with my life and go for it just just like I think I'd be taking every day as it comes and I'm, I'm just grateful for having the community I'm really grateful they've given me loads of opportunities now if anybody's listening to that Sue and they're not inspired by that they're listening to the wrong podcast. This is not for them because that's that's a, that's a truly amazing story. It is, and I have a picture on my desk of something that Michael was at the Street Child World Cup holding up a ball in front of 28 countries of kids saying, I am somebody. And he mentioned there the power of, you know, I'm proud. And you don't want to put, we'll offer opportunities to young people. We don't want to put pressure on them as well because mm-hmm. sometimes you put a young person on a pedestal and they feel they're still going to make mistakes in their life, but... That's the important thing. Is that a thing. fine balance? Not, not to is. put too much pressure on, yeah. but also to encourage them. It and is, and, and let them make mistakes yeah. and we still be there in a positive way because not every young person, they'll have different paths in life and sometimes they'll make mistakes. And I think that's what I love about the culture and everything in the community, that we allow people to make mistakes, but we're still there in a, in a really positive way. But I think with Michael, that is, you know, not the education system doesn't, it's not great for every, you know, people like different ways. And when you look at Michael, I still get a little bit choked and you just think, because mm-hmm. when he went to Street Child, his talent, you know, you had New York Press saying, can we speak to Michael? To be a leader, to be a media sensation, he's then come back and wants to be an ambassador to help other young people. Just makes me immensely proud. But that's why it's so important about our Trinity Project that, We've given one young person lots of opportunities and, you know, we have 20,000 participants per year. We want to make it not just chance that you get one opportunity, we want to make it where a lot of young people can have those opportunities. And I'm immensely proud of him and, you know, everything he's done. He's a perfect role model, isn't he? Because I suppose yourself and and ex-players and community staff and current players can talk until they're blue in the face. Yeah. He doesn't just talk the talk because he's walked the walk. Yeah. And times are changing, you know, social media, the way young people communicate. Yeah. He understands he's, you know, he's a perfect role model. So he's perfect. He's going to um, head up our new ambassador programme for young people. And exactly that, they can relate to him, they can understand. He's had many things go in his life, what they're going through. And, you know, when he never gives up, he's just, yeah, it makes me immensely proud. What was the, what was the, what was the first process for Michael then? Was he, by his own admission, he was, he was, he was, School was a problem for him, and, and it sounds like he was a bit of a problem for the school as well. <laughs> so the school refer kids like that to Everton the community? The families refer them? Do they just walk in and say, look? 
Yeah. My school's not working for me. What can you do for me? How does it work? So it's the model we set up with Steve Morgan Foundation, the Premier League, where we call it our impact model. So we go into a school and we're there for a number of years to make changes. So we'll say to a school, give us the young people that are gifted and talented. Give us the kids you're worried about. Give us the kids you're about to exclude. Let us know the young people who are not who are missing from your register. And we do a whole wraparound process. So your different young people are referred to AITC workers. And we have probably about 56 staff in that model. Then we go into their feeds of primary schools, all with an ambition linking into Thrives, Minds and Learns about starting to make the change from birth, really, to make a big difference. So, Michael, I'm sure he won't mind me saying this, but <laughs> this is what I say about mistakes. So we... We said you had to commit for two years to go to Competing Street Child World Cup. So he'd turn up every week. But sometimes he was on a rocky road with his school and, yeah. you know, they were saying he shouldn't be getting this reward if... And we, we stuck with it and, he, you know, we thrived on it. Goes to the Street Child World Cup and then he come back, he had another problem in school and we were like, Michael. But that's exactly what we're saying. Young people will make mistakes. He's coming really, mm -hmm. you know, enthusiastic. He's... But then he just is frustrated in the education system. Yeah. He had great people in his school supporting him as well. So that's sometimes when you're thinking, oh, Michael, this could go one way or the other, you know, stick to it. And again, that's where you've just got to give them space. And, you know, he's he's took every opportunity that he can, but... It's, it's it's an unbelievable it's success story, isn't it? To go from to, yeah. go, to go from a problem child to be the captain of England. Well, he's going to go Cups. back now. He's now going to go back to 2026 in LA and be a youth leader for the Street Child World Cup. We're hopefully going to send a team over to represent a girls' team this time. So he'll be there. So again, mm. that legacy goes on and, you I know, I remember interviewing Michael, speaking to Michael <laughs> when um, uh, Graeme Sharp was there. There were, there, were, there were a few people in, in the audience who donated to Evan the yeah. community. There were some big hitters there and, and he just spoke so well. And I was speaking to him afterwards and I said, did you ever think you'd be able to do that? And he just said no. <laughs> so it, it is. It's it's an all round success story, and it's also it's it's the power of football, isn't it? We we you and I have spoken many times about the power of football, and 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 we find that the the, the first team players, the, the the younger players, the the women's players, they're always happy to get involved, and and they do play a crucial role, don't yeah. they? I think they play a bigger role than they think they do. Yeah, and. You know, football, even if you don't like football, mm. we're still trusted in the community because we've been there, yeah. we're not moving. And it's still a language that translates. And I don't think the players, actually, you know, when you speak to young people, and sometimes when they're going through very difficult points in their life, they refer back to, remember when I met Seamus Coleman? Mm. I remember when, you know, I met this player and they'd done that. You think, and that was three or four years ago. They make a huge impact. The fact that players come down and spend their time is massive to young people and we should never underestimate that or take that for granted Seamus is brilliant isn't he oh unbelievable as a man as a leader as a dad he's you know he's so good for us as Evan the community is just really authentic he's amazing it's great that they get so much from it themselves isn't it yeah and I can think about the you know people forget the pressure that, you know, our women's team are under the men's team, under 18s, under 23. So sometimes to come, and I think it can be daunting sometimes, for, but mm. for, their, yeah. for their growth. Oh, yeah, and definitely. I've seen young players, you know, for example, Tom Davis, who's just left. I remember coming as a young under 23 and then flourishing, then bringing on other players then to support him. But it is daunting, but you can see in their faces 
at what they get out of it. You know, they see their impact that they get. So I think it's really valuable for them. It is absolutely fantastic. Sue, it's flown by as it always does when you and I are in conversation. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week for our very first edition of a new Everton in the Community podcast series. Next week, we'll continue to mark a new and transformative era for Everton in the Community by telling you more about the Learns Pillar. In the meantime, if you'd like to find out more about Everton in the Community or to donate, and that's important as well, head to www.evertoninthecommunity.org. www dot everton in the community dot org my thanks to sue gregory i'm darren griffiths we'll see you next week thank you